Welcome to the Loaded Goat. I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. We're, we're excited to kick off season three of the Andy Griffith Show with the season opener, Mr. McBeavy. This is one of, what I would say favorite, but it's definitely one of my top 20. Yeah, this is a good episode. I like that it reinforces the importance of telecom, telecom infrastructure for what it did for America. Yeah, that's really the big takeaway that, that, that you have on that is, you know, not not a father trusting his son or, you know, telling the truth or anything well, like that. It's really about the, the telecom industry. Yeah. And, you know, the prevalence of Irish Americans in America in 1953. Or is he Scottish? Uh, he is. Um, he's. I think he's Irish, and I think it's nineteen. And it was nineteen sixty-two. But that's. Uh, but, the, but yeah, I think those. I think it really is a hard-hitting, hard-hitting episode on that. Yeah, it was beautiful. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Let's get into it, baby. Let's get into it. This episode first aired on October first, nineteen sixty-two, and it was one at that point where they had several in the can, but they chose this one to be the season opener. They often chose for each season opener, they chose an Opie focused story. Right. And this definitely filled that, filled that, filled that gap and it and, and filled that requirement, but it was also a really good episode. Yeah. Um, it was written by Ray Safian Allen and Harvey Bullock. Uh, the concept for this episode. Is Ray, has the, Ray written other things? The, the name sounded new to me. Well, it's the first time he and Harvey Bullock ever wrote wrote together, and I don't remember him writing another episode prior to that. The uh, concept for this episode started in the writer's room with the idea of of Opie having an imaginary friend and Andy having to lecture him about telling the truth. And then Harvey Bullock said he had a better way to do the episode. And when Sheldon Leonard heard the idea that, that Harvey Bullock had, he loved the idea and told them to run with it. Yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. You know, I think a lot of the, you know, the allegory, I don't think allegory is right there, but I, I did find it similar to the late 2000s. You know, when they're talking about him as, a, as an imaginary friend, it reminded, reminded me a little bit of old Greg. Do you remember that YouTube sensation about the old man in the woods? It's kind of magical, but he's got a funny side to him. You know, I don't actually. All right, I'll send it to you. You'll enjoy it. But okay. let's, let's move on. No, no reason to dwell. All right. The original title of the episode was Mr. McTV, but it was changed probably because of legal reasons. Yeah, it also sounded like Mr. TV. It'd be too confusing. Yeah. And then Mr. Then you'd have Mr. T. Soon oh, later. Yeah. yeah. Correct. So we opened with Opie playing cowboy out in the yard in his full cowboy outfit. Andy calls him in for breakfast, and at Andy's request, Opie ties up his imaginary horse. The other piece that he does, maybe I'm skipping ahead just ever so slightly. What you're going to say is about the hat. He tell, asks Andy or Opie if the sun is in his eyes and whether or not he yeah. takes his hat off. One thing I've noticed kind of in this COVID life we lead, people have lost a lot of their manners when they sit down to eat. And the amount of people that wear hats at dinner tables, I find shocking. And I did want to catalog that response is the sun in your eyes for people that that tend to forget their manners sometimes. So let me ask you this. I don't. I typically, unless I'm, I mean, if I go to a fast food restaurant or if I go to a, I don't go to a nice restaurant and wear a ball cap, but if I'm out and about sometimes and I have a ball cap on, I don't take it off to eat my meal. Oh, interesting. I don't eat with a hat on in my home. Really? I'll take it off, put it back on. Even if you're just like sitting in front of the TV? Especially. When else do I eat? Uh, I mean, that was my assumption. <laughs> Yeah, I never do it. 
You never do it. Is it just something that was ingrained in you that you, no matter the circumstances, you don't eat with a hat on? You don't eat with a hat on. It's about the yeah. only manner I have. I mean, I, you know, I don't pay my bills on time. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, return, I don't return people's <laughs> phone calls, but I take my hat off when I, when I eat. So um, Barney comes in and sits down at the table and Opie asks for a cube of sugar for his horse Blackie. And Barney, I don't know how, really somehow believes that Opie got a horse and no, no one ever told him about it. The first flag should have been Opie should have asked for a salt lick, not a not a sugar cube. Well, no, salt lick goes for a deer. Um, the, I think um, they do it for horses too. Not to my knowledge. I think it's really sugar cubes are for the horses, but I could be wrong. I'll have to ask my mother-in-law. She would know. Yeah, let me know what you find out. So Barney really believes he has a horse and he runs out and he calls for Blackie. And when he re realizes there is not a real horse, he gets upset and Andy says Opie should not, Andy sh he says Andy should not let Opie tell stories like that. And so Bar Andy's just kind of laughing along and then he scolds Blackie, imaginary Blackie, for getting him into trouble. This part's glorious. I mean, I know that they need to have Barney just to like create the comparison between the two at the front, be upset about make-believe, but, but this was, that was a ridiculous concept. Yes. That, that Barney would be that upset over that joke. Yeah. This episode had, I mean, there's there were obviously a number of commercial tie-ins where they would actually do an extension of a scene with and it and it and it and then it'd be pitching a product. This is one of the better ones. That's maybe the best one I've seen so far of the ones of, of these where they have a tie-in with a jello jello commercial where they're sitting at the table and Opie asks to take some jello pudding out to his horse. And Barney said, are you going to carry on with that again? And then all of a sudden an actual horse sticks its head in the window. Yeah. I love it. It's so funny. That horse yeah. was a good actor. They should try to get him in uh, Yellowstone. He might've since passed away, but he did. He did. He, you know, he, he hit his mark. He didn't, he didn't move. He didn't try to make the, make the shot about him. He did. He did his role and added some added some character to it do you think this is where the rumors about gelatin and horse hooves kind of started i don't think so okay uh later at the jail opie comes in and talks about his friend mr McBeebe, who walks in the walks in the trees wears it and wears a silver hat and both andy and barney are kind of skeptical didn't he also say he has hands around his waist yeah, he did say that. And he said what he a, jingles too. I don't get the hand reference. I couldn't figure out what that was. That's the hands are his belt that holds all the stuff. Oh, that's actually what they're called. I don't know if that's what they're called. I think that's what he calls them. Oh, okay. All right. So back at the Taylor household, Opie comes in and he's carrying a hatchet that he says Mr. McBeebe gave him. Andy is now really skeptical. Doesn't believe that's what, who gave it to him. He questions Opie. And Opie insists that he got it from Mr. McBeavy. Andy just thinks he found it in the woods and made up the story. And he sends him back to the woods to return the hatchet where he found it. It's awesome that Mr. McBeavy gave a small child a hatchet. And that hatchet is an awesome hatchet. It I mean, is. That is shiny. Like, it's cool. Yeah, that is a great hatchet. I, yeah, I can't I mean, remember who wrote the book, but like that kid in Alaska could have really survived for like twice as long had he had that hatchet. You talk about Into the Wild? I think, um, no, yeah. there's a there's, young adult novel called Hatchet. 
Yeah, because his problem wasn't that he didn't have cutlery. It was more kind of he had other problems. Uh, that, the guy who died in, in the the guy who the story of the kid in kid in, in the into the wild. Um, the now this is Gary Paulson's hatchet. Oh, okay. If you know, you know. It's a good. Honestly, I would recommend it for you, Aaron. It'll take you a couple weeks to read, but you'll like it. <laughs> I mean, I probably have to. I can probably only do a few pages. You'll come out on the other side of Woodsman. Because the words so the word the the writing is so complicated that I, I'd have a tough time following along. Okay, yeah. all right, good to know. So in the woods, Opie calls for Mister McBeavy, and he comes down. And it turns out he's a telephone linesman who looks exactly like Opie described him. Um, he's got the silver hat. He's in the trees. He jingles because of all the stuff on his uh, hanging from his belt, and he's got all those tools which are you know hanging the belt, which is his twelve set of hands are holding them up. Do you think he worked for Southern Bell or AT&T? I mean, at that point, I would imagine AT&T owned everything. At that point, I would imagine he worked for AT&T. Okay. Helpful to know. Yeah. He asks, um, he asks Opie why he came back, and he says he needs to return the hatchet that, that, he, gave, that he gave him. And Mr. McBeavy looks a little confused. And we go to commercial, and this is a bit earlier than we normally go to commercial. I mean, most of the time, I mean, after having watched a number of these and and we've broken them down, you hit, is there going to be a commercial basically between the 11 and a half and 13 and a half minute mark? This commercial comes in at seven and a half minutes. Oh, interesting. Well, Mr. Beebe's probably tired from climbing up and down the trees. He needs to go off screen for a little bit, have some lemonade. Well, I think it's I think honestly it's just like they they chose to do that because it's the most dramatic probably the most dramatic part in the whole series is that there's Mr. McBeavy really exists and you know he's you know and now Opie's having to basically act like he you know he's being treated like he doesn't you know what I always liked about this show is the same thing as pudding is you can change up the mold you know it doesn't have to be consistent and and that's kind of where you get some of that real real nice variety and flavor yeah. So Mr. McBeavy, but I mean, I will also say most of most procedurals, they do switch them up. And I'm not saying Andy Griffith is a perceiver procedural, but they do all kind of have a certain level of flow and you got to work with that flow. It's kind of like a, it's yeah. kind of like a pop. It's kind of like certain rock songs by certain bands. They all kind of have a same, same rhythm and same flow. Yep. It's like blue bloods. Yeah. Blue bloods, blue bloods. I, I don't, I mean, I, I've never not seen grody it. and it's got a message. It's not, it's not foul. It's, foul. Got a message. it's not gropy. Foul means blue, dirty, you know, all those things. So yeah, the, so Mr. McBeady is played by veteran character actor, Carl Swinson, and he is best known for his performance as Lars Hansen on Little House on the Prairie, but he was in a number of movies, cult favorites like Vanishing Point and Olzana's Raid. So just just to, just for what it's worth. Well, the more you know. The more you know. And after the break, Opie explains that Andy won't let him keep it. And Mr. McBeavy just says he understands because his father would know best. I mean, honestly, if an eight-year-old, which I think is how, or a seven-year-old, came back and said, hey, I can't keep this really sharp hatchet that you gave me. I, I mean, I'd be like, yeah, okay, that, 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 yeah, that, yeah, that checks sense. out. I got to be honest, that's my, that's my bad. That's on me. Yeah. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's just kind of the kind of the situation there. So before uh, Opie leaves, he does a trick where uh, Mr. McBeavy does a trick 
where he blows smoke out of his ears and he says it's something the heathen cannibals taught him, which obviously is just him being just having a little fun with it. And this then he gives great, this is a great trick. It's a great trick. And then he gives him smoking. A, yeah. Um, and then he gives him a quarter and he says it's an old quarter, it needs to be turned into um ice cream and soda, which is just so much fun. This guy's great. He's got a little bit of the same opie relationship that Ellie had. Yeah. The yeah, way she kind of joshes with him. Yeah, yeah. And, and not to spoiler alert, but this is the only time we ever see Mr. McBeavy. I would have loved for Mr. McBeavy to have shown up more and more. Well, he's got to lay he's got to lay the, the phone lines all across the country. He's walking yeah. tree to tree in the canopy. That's a good point. Mr. McBeavy probably doesn't get to, he probably is not working the same line. He's probably going the he same. Hanging. Maybe we get here a little bit later, but I think he's hanging up the tree, like the power lines into the trees versus putting up telephone posts. Do you see this? Like he comes down and is the the pegs were in the trunk of the tree that had branches. That is one where I'd be curious to know what the story was or if that was if that was a practice or if they worked their way up through the tree and then hit the power lines or if this was, you know, Harvey Bullock and um, and his co in his in his co-writer Ray Ray Allen um, doing a you know, just basically saying we're not going to let actual the actual practice of being a linesman get in the way of a good story. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, so he's just a very nice man. And at the jail, Barney says, you know, Barney's now is fixated on Mr. McBeavy. He says he believes that Mr. McBeavy is actually real and he will get a description from Opie. So Opie comes in. He has him sit down and he asks for a description of Mr. McBeavy. This is so smooth. This is yeah. so, you know, I'm just trying stuff out. Yeah. Trying, oh, I don't know. Mr. McBeavy. Yeah. And then he mentions the smoke coming out of his ears. And I think, does he, did he say he learned it from the heathen cannibals? Does he say, I think, oh, oh, I think he, he does. That. I think yeah. he does. And so Harvey Bullock talked about when he described Mr. McBeavy and he came up with the descriptions. This actually, this really is just almost in is genius um he says he st- would stare at the ceiling and he would say what is an insane description at face value that if i um if it if you but it could if you actually looked at it just on a secondary or another level it would actually have a sane meaning oh which really i mean and so i guess you know if you think about it and you think about a linesman or you think about somebody I mean, I'm, I haven't really thought about this, but I suppose um, you think about a lot of professions or interesting uniforms and you describe them in the most bizarre way. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I, sorry, I got confused for a second. I thought you were talking about heathen cannibals and that's what we were describing. And I was like, wait for it to come around. And then we got back to linesmen and I figured out what we were talking about linesmen the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have a sane secondary meaning from um from for for heathen cannibals. I mean, I think they are pretty much what 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 they're described as. Yeah, straight up from Joe versus the volcano. Yes, yes. Somebody told me who's about your age that he saw Joe versus the volcano for the first time and he thought it was brilliant. Interesting. You know, I had an English teacher in high school that was obsessed with it, and you got one. We had to do a weekly essay and once throughout the year, like you could watch Joe versus the volcano and get out of the essay and then write about the movie. So that's the reason I saw it. I saw it in the theater and it was, it, 
but it was it had gotten such bad reviews i think i saw it maybe in the dollar theater i saw it later after it um after it came out and i just remember or actually maybe i did see it when it came out and i was like what 13 12 13 it's got all the it's got all the fixings to be a cult you know it's got all the fixings to be a cult class but it's terrible i was just like what is this this is this is insane yeah yeah so yeah, but but anyway, I just it was, it was this, this friend telling me that, and he thought, said he thought it was brilliant. I just thought maybe that's you know maybe that's like you know people fixate on certain movies, and maybe that's kind of you know there are movies that you know maybe when you look at them differently thirty years later, and you don't have the lens, or you're not like I was, you were you were a kid, and you were just excited to see Tom Hanks's next movie. They, maybe there's a different different view of the whole thing. Isn't that the whole theme of our podcast? Yes, yes, it is, Christopher. <laughs> All right, moving on. <laughs> you, you, you got me there. <laughs> so Barney gives up, and Opie says, Mr. McBeebe's really nice, and he gave him a quarter. And Andy just gets a little, now Andy's had it. He goes, where'd you get that quarter? And then he takes Opie to go find Mr. McBeebe. Opie should have pretended to find it behind Andy's ear. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, is I guess having a quarter, but, you know, even I guess when you're a kid getting a quarter, you know, it's very rare that you had money, but I guess getting a quarter in 1962 was probably, was a, quite, that was a little more money back then. Yeah, it was always exciting to get a quarter, but you could also buy something with a quarter back then. So it gave you yeah. some power and it upset the power dynamics that uh, Andy and Opie had established. All yeah. of a sudden, the bird had wings. <laughs> you're right. So we go to the woods and Mr. McBeavy has to leave to go to another line, and he drives off just as Andy and Opie arrive. Opie calls for Mr. McBeavy, but he's not there. Andy is not happy and tells Opie that they're going home. And they get home in the middle of the afternoon, and Andy sends Opie up to his room. He tells Aunt B that he Opie's getting into a habit of stretching the truth and that he's going to have to give him a whipping. And... Up in Opie's room, Andy lectures Opie about telling the truth and says he needs to admit that Mr. McBeavy is just make-believe. This part Opie, was savage. It was just, you, you know, two people. It was like two people. Opie could, you know, could have just taken the easy way out. and He doesn't. And he says he can't do it. And he says that Mr. McBeavy is real. He asks Andy if he believes him. And Andy size and says he does and Rance Howard Ron Howard's father said nothing in this scene was it was improvised which gives you a sense of what a great child actor Ron Howard was that he oh, was wow. able to, to stay with the tone of this whole scene yeah amazing yeah so downstairs Andy comes down and tells Barney and Aunt B that he didn't punish punish him and told him that he believed him and he lights up a cigarette when he does because he's you know well, it's not as stressful as dealing with. It's actually probably more stressful than dealing with cousin Virgil because he's got a vested interest in the whole thing. Yeah, but right. um, but that was the last time I think we saw him light up was with cousin <laughs> was when cousin Virgil was basically tearing up the Mayberry Jail, and Andy says he can't explain it, and Barney asks if he believes in Mister McBeavy, and Andy says no, but I do believe in Opie, which is just a great line. beautiful line. Yeah, so Joey Fan, the author of The Way Back to Joey Mayberry. Fatone? No, Joey Fan. Joe, Joey Fan, the author of the, of the Way Back to Mayberry, wrote this up, wrote that this episode's 
really sums up the true definition of faith because Andy has no evidence to believe o- Opie, but but does so based on his faith in Opie. Oh. Yep. So in the woods, Andy has just kind of gone away to clear his head and he sits down and he's just in frustration. He he's says, walking around. He walked just like Opie in like the opening scene in the opening credits. Like he walks around, he sits down like a little weirdo. Yeah. This is, this is, he carried himself perfectly like a tailor. Yeah. And then he says, Mr. McBeavy out of frustration. This is probably one of my favorite. I mean, I keep saying I've got a lot of favorite scenes, but I love this scene. And Mr. BV answers, hello, somebody call. Yeah, it's like Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. And Andy realizes why Opie described him the way he did. And he shakes his hand and he is just ecstatic. He shook his hand longer than Trump and the uh, French president. Yeah, it was a long time. It was a long time. I mean, it was um, it was I mean, there's like there there's that scene in the dead zone. I don't know if you've ever seen that with Christopher Walken, where basically martin sheen is running for president and um he's a psycho and um christopher walken shakes his hand and gets a premonition that he's going to launch a nuclear strike and i mean he hangs on to his hand for probably five (laughs) minutes and so it wasn't that bad that's like the longest handshake i think i've ever seen in a um in, in, in in movie or television history all right so in the epilogue, uh, Andy comes into the jail and set, tells Barney he met Mr. McBeavy, and Barney thinks he's lost his mind, that he's just trying to make sense of what Opie says. And Andy tells Barney that he's coming over for supper, and Barney uh, jumps in when he hears the phone ring and says he's, he'll take care of it. And he answers, and he's speaking with Mr. McBeavy, and he is just dumbfounded. This I went back to rewatch this. Mr. McBeavy just plugs into the telephone line from up there. It's fantastic. Yeah, that is kind of awesome. We, we watched it and I was like, like first he has like cell phone. I was like, no, of course he doesn't have a cell phone. Went back. Yeah, he just plugged right in. He's got a little phone he carries with him in case he needs to call home. Yeah. Do I you mean, think he has to go? Like, does he then have to route to Sarah? I don't understand how this what, works. That would be pretty awesome if he could just bypass Sarah. Yeah. I mean, Sarah's great and all, but, you know, it's direct I mean, to the source. Can you imagine, though, I mean, can you imagine if all of a sudden, I mean, that would be an episode in itself as people are just getting in the trees and calling people at yeah. call, calling people at home. Yeah. Honestly, that's a lot like the beginning of Triple X with Vin Diesel, where he yeah. figures out a way to reroute the, the oh, this is great, figures out a way to reroute the, the, the cable or the satellite dish to stream a soccer game for all the kids in the neighborhood. And then he has skis and skis over rocks and just down like mountains in the summer to avoid the like telecom police. What an never, opening. I've never seen triple X. <laughs> I mean, that's how it starts, which yeah. is pretty indicative of how the rest of the movie goes. Yeah. And I'm not saying I, it's not that I'm, I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to check this movie out. I love a great, I, and I've watched a lot of Vin Diesel action movies. I've just never happened to see that one. You got to at least watch the beginning of triple X. Okay. All right. I will do that. So how many whistles would you give this? Nine. I'm going 10. Ooh, 10 whistler. Excellent. Yeah, this is a yeah. 10 whistler for me. Cool. Yeah. So um, any final thoughts? No, I liked this episode. New characters, good opening moments. Barney got to be clever, and Barney got to have some moments, and then Andy got to be a good parent and ground the episode, bring people yeah. along. So season one was good. Season two was better. 
we're getting into probably the best. I think the next two seasons are the best run of the of the entire series. Cool. I'm excited for it, and I'm terrified for the for the color episodes because you've just talked about how bad they are. Well, I gotta, got, I've gotta get basically, you know, um, over undersell and hopefully some some of them over deliver. But hopefully, I'm afraid we're gonna get to them, and you're gonna be like, no, Aaron, these are as bad as you said you said they are. <laughs> But I hope not. I hope not. I think who knows. We'll 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 get to we'll get to enjoy them together. Sounds good. Any final thoughts? No. All right. Well, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you can Twitch. find your po- podcast. <laughs> yeah. If you're if you're there and think about it, please subscribe. Uh, also follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Loaded Goat Loaded Goat Pod. If you have any questions, please go to loadedgoat.net and submit one. Next up, we meet Andy's new girlfriend, Peggy, in the episode Andy's Rich Girlfriend. Until then, Christopher, where'd you get that quarter? Happy Monday! Behind your ear. <laughs> <laughs>